it's time for another edition of Make Us a Mixtape. My name is Paul Farvar. I'm Marty DeRosa. And we have a great, great episode planned for you today. Uh, again, if you have to contact us, the email is paulmartymix at gmail.com. Uh, any other questions about the last few episodes, Marty? Uh, no, perfect score. Uh, no complaints. <laughs> Everybody loved it. We did get a lot of uh, comments on the TV uh TV jingles, TV theme songs, and uh, yes, we I had somebody. Talk. I had somebody ask me how drunk Ed was at the end of the the Prince. Oh episode. yeah, pretty drunk. We very have, drunk. We have changed the rules on how much uh, bourbon one can drink during the podcast. As a result, he abused the privilege. It's like when you go to a comedy club and they're like, "No more free drinks or food." <laughs> it's like, what happened? Someone always has to screw it. Someone screws three it up. drink minimum now for the podcast, but we're not going to have that problem today. Uh, we have an amazing, amazing guest, uh, the Cubs announcer and basis for Sonic Forty Five. Len Casper joins us. Hey, Len. Paul, Marty, how are you guys? Thanks Very for uh, thanks for having me. This this will be fun. This is uh this is the first time in a while where I felt like. I, I was not aware of so much music. I don't know about you, Marty, but yes. usually we're 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 self proclaimed <laughs> music insiders. If so anything, yeah. This is like uh, you know, you saw a scouting report with like a bunch of new players and you're like, Who who are these people? What is their story? It wasn't my intent to throw you off the scent, but I thought it was like a, it was a way to show, you know, it was like puffing. They're like, hey, I know, I know music too, and I was like, wow, I, there was a few of these I've never heard of. So, how did you how did you come up with this list, Len? Well, I, I, the first thing I did when you asked me to be on the podcast and the concept, I just thought of the first five songs I could think of, and I ended up kind of going through one of my playlists, and I looked, and I was like, oh, there's sixteen. Okay, well, how am I going to get it to five? <laughs> And I whittled it down, and I tried to not put too much thought into it. Um, and then I sent you, Paul, I sent you my first list, and then I ended up changing out two of the <laughs> songs, and I just finally said, I, I just, I'm stopping there, because if I did this once a day, it, I would literally come up with, yeah. with five different songs. Um, There's times where I'll send Paul a list, and like right away I'm like, why, did I, why didn't I do that? Right. So it's tough. Right. So it's not as if it's like the five most important songs. Yeah. It's just five songs that kind of mean something to me. And I could have gone a different route. Like I had a Monkeys song because my, my mom had uh, the Monkeys and the Beatles and uh, Sonny and Cher and all those records. And it was one of the first songs I listened to. But it didn't really fit kind of the rest of the group. So um there's a little bit of a personal connection to just about all of them, and none of it has anything to do with baseball, which I hope is okay. Absolutely. <laughs> never, we never want our guests to feel pigeonholed, although I do have baseball music questions for you. That's fine. Uh, That's the walk-up song. Is that, that yeah, how do you feel about the walk-up song in baseball? I, it's getting a little out of hand. Very um, pro wrestling at this point. Yeah, and I was watching a, an old... Uh, YouTube game the other day, actually, it was the uh, Tigers and Blue Jays from 1978, and one of my, my former broadcast partners, Tommy Hutton, randomly was playing right field for the Blue Jays, and I think hit sixth in the lineup that day, and when my wife came in, I said, oh, you know, check this out. She's like, oh, Tommy, and she's like, when did walk-up music start? Because it's just kind of weird that he just walked up and they just played. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, it's, it's fairly recent. I want to say in the last 
10, 15 years, you it kind of became a thing. You would have thought after Major League and Ricky Vaughn, the wild thing, <laughs> that it would have been a bigger deal. But yeah, and it, it, to me, it's like, and I love pro wrestling. So to me, it's a lot like if you watch old pro wrestling and guys just walk yeah. to the ring and it's like, oh, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Is it, does everybody get walk-up music or do you have to be really good to get walk-up no, music? No, ev- everybody gives uh, the, the, the people upstairs a list. Ah, okay. Um, like Rizzo has like five songs, I think, and... See, that's like th- Triple H. He has too many songs. I think, one song. Well, I think generally there, there are rules, too. Like, yeah. first at bat, this one. Second oh, at bat, this one. If it's oh, a wow. big spot, I want this one. So in a way, they're so making their own like mixtapes for themselves. Absolutely, yeah. yeah it's, wow, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty intricate. And I think it's kind of hurt pace of game. Because they have to do like... Because they've got to, you know, i got to wait till this part. And then, okay, now I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like, in, like some guys, they don't come out of the curtain till like a certain... Part of a song exactly. hits, so you're just sitting like there. Our like our podcast, okay. we have to wait till we do. The, the cue comes in. Yeah, yep. And yep. then, as far as music played in the locker room, who who usually uh, dictates the music play? Sammy Sosa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Rizzo is is definitely in charge of uh, the karaoke machine, um, if there would be one. Um, there are different groups, though, and and you know we didn't travel with the team this year, so I don't know exactly how it played out. But in years past, you'd have one group, you know, kind of have their own thing in the back, and then toward the the middle of the plane, which is where the broadcasters sit, um, you know, usually Rizzo would crank up, you know, some classic rock or yeah. something. Yeah, I picture um, it like um, uh, any given Sunday, the Oliver Stone movie. Where like all right. the black guys were playing like hip hop, and then all the white dudes are playing like metal, and they had this big this big clash over <laughs> the, over the stereo. Well, the, the thing that and, and again, I don't know what's changed with Rossi on the on the flights, um, but with Joe, like his thing was the, this this flight, this team, it's, it belongs to the players. So you guys figure it out. You do whatever you want. And uh, man, after some of the big. Uh, not only obviously regular season wins, but but postseason series. I mean, it was, it was it was pretty festive. I would you know, imagine four so. or five in the morning after they've already uh, celebrated, and nobody wanted to go to sleep. So fun, <laughs> so fun. Now, do you um, do you have like a workout mix that you have as well? Because here's I bring this up because you were speaking about traveling, and I, I forgot to mention this. The way I met you, Len, I don't know if you remember this, but I was. Uh, traveling to see the Cubs um probably 2008 when they were um when they were playing the Mets that was when Jason Marquis had a grand slam but I was just walking in New York and I see you running down the street right. and I'm like Glenn <clears throat> and then I was probably going to or from Central Park you were working yeah you were working yeah. out do you have like a well first of all that was that was funny that that you were talking about traveling and then you told me where they were going to be later that night and we all I, I got to see it hang out with all the Cubs but do you have a workout mix that's uh, and and what do you work out to? Because Marty makes fun of my mix. I would say I've definitely had them in the past. I I'm actually right now kind of out of the music thing when I work out. I, I do a lot of podcasts and and audiobooks. Um, and 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 it's like I trick my brain into if I'm in a really good book, I have to run to get to the finish of the book because I don't. I don't just sit around listening to audiobooks. So usually I do it when I'm when I'm running. 
And so if, if I get into a good book, it's that's my motivation to really? work out. That, that is day. weird to think like some guy running down the streets like listening to Moby Dick. You're just like, <laughs> wow, he's really tearing it up. And it's like he's just trying to get to the end of that's Moby wild. Dick. But my workout playlist would include songs like like the songs we're going to listen okay. to today. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting because I I listen to very mellow stuff, but that's even harder I would think to work out to an audiobook or a podcast. But see? Yeah, I disagree. Okay. I think I think you listening to weird <laughs> slow songs while I working to out heart wrenching like very odd Phoebe Bridgers stuff when sure. I'm working out and people think it's it's uh, it's hard. But anyway, so I did see your pre pre list. So there were songs that didn't make the cut. And uh, w- do you want to talk about real quick about uh, you said the monkeys was a song because it didn't fit. And actually, yeah. that's funny. I had a monkey song on the. We've the had the theme. monkeys on here more than the Beatles. Yeah, it's ironic that they've been on more. But I've had I had them on for the for the TV theme songs. It's, mm-hmm. it's the start to mine. But what was the monkey song that you had? Uh, Saturday's Child, which was off their first record. I, it might have been a Boys and Heart song. I'm not exactly sure, but. Um, yeah, I always every time I hear that song, it, it takes me back to to my childhood, and I think a lot of good songs do that. They, they put you in a place, and and again, going back to baseball, that's one thing Joe Madden uh, did a lot, especially Sundays when he he'd listen to you know a top forty Casey Kasem from nineteen seventy whatever, and when he would hear a song, it would remind him of where he was in his life, like I was in college, or this right. was during a ball, and. You know, he would have a story attached to when he first heard that song or when the song came out. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of that way, too. Yeah, makes sense. Do you have, like, a song that reminds you of the, the World Series year for the Cubs? Oh, wow. Huh. Not uh, Do I have a song that reminds me of the World Series? Or that season, maybe. Let me think about it. Maybe it'll come back to me yeah. before, before we're done. And then as far as uh, new music, how are you hearing new music? Uh, good question. Uh, I definitely, uh, I, amazing radio. Have you heard of that? No, no. Yeah. It, it and I think it's based out of, uh, uh, England, but, um, there's a U.S. version and so it's an app. That's a fun music flex, by the way, to be like, this is from England, but you know, like that's, <laughs> right. like, that's, that's, that's there's like, an right. English version. Yeah. For I was it. reading enemy the other day and I came <laughs> right. across this wonderful right. app. And, um, so I submitted, uh, are two singles from from the band and um, this app's not popping up but there's a um, show on Saturdays I believe called First Spin or something and you don't have to listen to it when it's on It it they archive it immediately and it's just new stuff by oh, bands nice. nobody's heard so that's like that's awesome I'll and you can if you don't like the song you can go to the next one and um, I would say every week Probably two or three songs I, I add to my list. How would you uh, describe your band to the people listening? Uh, it is kind of... <laughs> it, it, it's based in post-punk, new wave, jangle pop. And, and the, there will be a couple things in, in the songs I play. That yeah, it gets new wavy of, at the end, which I, I like. Yeah, um, you know, definitely kind of the original idea was I wanted to do... Flock of Seagulls meets The Replacements. Nice. Um, and, and whatever it turned into, you know, there's definitely some REM, some Cure, but a lot of that stuff was not by design. Uh, a couple of things were, um, but generally when, when I play it for people, the, the stuff they give me, it's like, yep, that's that's good. Like, mm, I yeah. want it to be obvious 
kind of what the genre is. Um, I hear a lot of late era Bowie. I didn't listen to a lot of late era Bowie, but I take that as a as a huge yeah, compliment. That's a plus. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, let's get into it. All right, here we go. First, First song. Uh, Tommy Keen alone in these modern times. <laughs> Okay, so tell us about this song, because I Googled him to find out more about him. I didn't realize he was local. Well, he, he's uh, he's not from Chicago. Um, uh, he might have been born here, right. but he grew up in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, and there was a baseball connection. He grew up with Tim Kirkchen, uh, the longtime uh, ESPN writer right. and, uh, and, and reporter on, on TV. Uh, uh Tim is actually Bobby Keene's age. Bobby is Tommy's older brother. Uh, th- this is <laughs> this is an emotional one for me. I Tommy kind of represents the great songwriter, singer songwriters um, who never kind of made it as big as they should have gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on Geffen for two records, I think eighty six and eighty nine. Songs from the film and based on happy times, um, and then basically got dropped from the label. And if you listen to all the stuff he put out, it was consistently great. Uh, maybe the problem, if you look at a marketing thing, is that he didn't change. But he was he toured with the Replacements. Uh, he, he Peter Buck, you know REM, like he was mm-hmm. in that group, and he didn't really kind of bust out like they did. Um, but it took nothing away from the quality of the songwriting. And intellectually, it really speaks to me because the song I just played is just a perfectly crafted song. And the bridge is amazing. He was like the greatest writer of bridges, which is very, very difficult to do. Uh, he passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago at age 59. I got to know Tommy very well uh, through a, a, a friend, Matt Hickey. And... Uh, the last live show I saw Tommy play was in Portland, and I knew he was going to play that song because it was off his last record, but he asked me, you know, is there a song you want me to play? And Peter Buck was in, was, was in the room, and um, so I said, you know, alone in these modern times, and so he, he said, hey, I got a friend in from Chicago, and he dedicated the song oh, wow. to me, which was really cool, but there's a melancholy to his lyrics, um, there's a lot of sadness, but it's cloaked in this just gorgeous arrangement, and um, so that one's for Tommy. Well, that he was still. You, you talked about his albums with Geffen in eighties, but he was still producing album into the two oh, thousands. He got way better, yeah. even uh, you know in the early to mid nineties, and then every two years just cranked out these beautiful records. And uh, I, you know, I just picked that song because it was kind of the last one um, yeah. off the last album that that really really hit me in the right place. And um, so I encourage you to, to dig into the back catalog. Uh, he's a musician's musician. Yeah, that's uh, like with comedy. It's like there's like comics, yeah. comedy. You're like, mm. yeah. And then you were saying he never really changed the style. I'm I'm assuming throughout the years there were lots of like suggestions of like if you could just be more like Probably. this band, you'd you know. And that's like, yeah. Hats off to him it, for it, sticking with his you know. Style. It, was, it was hard too because you know I would tell him, you know, I'd, I'd listen to the latest record and I'd say I really like this song. He's like, but that's not the hit. 
And I'm like, yeah, but it's a great song. And he's like, well, that song's not going to pay my bills, you know. And it was heartbreaking because, you know, he wasn't, he he never sold out, so to speak, and said, I'm going to try to fit whatever the current thing is. But he definitely wanted to write songs that a lot of people heard and loved. Um, he had a very, very loyal following. Sadly, it just wasn't big enough to really put him where he belonged. When you were f- talking to him about the songs you like versus what he thought was the hit, do you feel like he was getting that information for someone else or that's who he, what he thought was the hit? Well, I knew or, what the hits were. I okay. just, you, you know, just didn't it, like those it, as much no, as... I, the, no, I loved them. I but just, you're the beat, you like the deep cuts. I just, there would be a song um, and I just, it would just grab me, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that would be one. Now that, that, that is a classic album cut that, you know, eight people have heard. But it's a great song. And the one thing I know is that when people write songs, they don't write filler. They, you know, Every song you write, you think is going to be a good song. Um, but he was so self-deprecating, he'd be like, that's just filler. Like that, that, you know, <laughs> I that th- one. I have thought about that with like certain yeah. so- albums where you're like, you know, they'll they have know? like the one, if they're just yeah. like, we got to just fart out like two more songs. Like shitty Amazon <laughs> movies have to be like right. an hour and at least but an his hour and filler, ten But his filler was... Not filler. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing about it. Yeah. Well, there's there's certain yeah. uh, bands that we talk. About. Like I I told Paul one time I had a dream. I watched that Oasis documentary, <laughs> and I had a dream <laughs> for their second album that I was like, dude, save one or two of these songs right. for, for the next album. <laughs> Trust me, you're gonna thank me. Uh, right. Because yeah, there are there's some, it's somewhere. It's like some albums are just like an embarrassment of riches, or like mm-hmm. I remember back in the day there'd be I don't know certain albums where it was just like here's the sixth single off this album. And it's like, that's insane. Like most albums, one or two, okay, on to the next one. Right. Like back in the day when that was like, you know, the thing. And to have some albums that are just like nonstop, nonstop. And yeah, with filler, I do wonder about that. Well, if you're, if you're looking to make a great documentary, he would be an amazing subject. Uh, you'd get a lot of famous people who would tell Tommy Keene's stories. The guy, well, there's- the guy who should have made it. And yeah, didn't, didn't didn't quite there materially. Were, there were documentaries about bands like that. I remember the Vulgar Boatman, for example, comes to mind with Dale Lawrence, mm-hmm. and they did uh, a friend of mine, Fred Uter, who did a documentary on them. And you know, you, they talk to like, uh, you know, they'll they'll talk to XRT guys like Lynn Bramer and everyone, and they'll be like, they should have been so mm-hmm. much bigger because you listen to you know. And I was like you, I I beca- I befriended the Vulgar Boatman and Dale. I'd be like this. Every song on this album is amazing. Like, and he's like, right. oh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. And he just, he, they just gave up on the process. But do you think that for Tommy, was it, did he, you think he got in his way at all in terms of his success? A lot of times there are people that are like, you know, it's different to be, su- say, hey, I'm not going to change. This is what I'm producing versus people giving suggestions to help them grow their base. He, he stayed very true to what, he was great at, which I appreciated. Uh, I would, I would say, and if Matt Hickey's listening, he'll he'll laugh. Probably after every record since two thousand, he said, "That's it, I'm done," because I just, you know, it's too much. Like, sure, I, I pour my heart into this, and I sell a thousand records, yeah. and that's the end of it. But he kept going because that's what he does. Yeah, that's what a musician and a songwriter does. You you know, you keep writing, you keep pushing along, and. Um, that's why, yeah, I, that's why it, I still do fast food commercials. You know what I mean? It's just like it's not about you know, the money; it's about the art. If he were if he were still alive, he probably would have done two or three more uh, over the last three or four years. And uh, that's it's 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 
heartbreaking that he's gone, and it's it's uh, heartbreaking that we can't continue to enjoy new music by Tommy. But the silver lining here is that there's this huge catalog of records right. that you guys can go back and listen to. And 80 to 2006, 86 <laughs> to 2006. That's a yeah. lot of stuff yeah. every two yeah. years. And you, you never know, too, if some someone's a fan and puts one song in a movie and yeah. a show and right. something, and then it's like, oh, and then it's like there's a whole whole yeah. catalog. Yep. For sure. Yep. Um, before we get into the next song, was there a reason, was there a art form to the order you put in to the mixtape? No. Okay. You just put it up. <laughs> Did you make mixtapes when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. What were the, who were they for? For yourself? Oh, your always friends, for, for women? Okay. Always really? for me. Always and for In your group, were you the music guy? Were you the gatekeeper or the guy who found the new stuff? Or did you have other people? Mm, yeah. Here? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yep. And I, I, again, you know, the other part for me, and I... I, I love all the bands everybody loves, but I'm very, very attracted to the band I can go see in a small club and mm-hmm. stand Absolutely. 12 feet from the stage. Where's your favorite place in Chicago to see a band? Oh, there are a million great places. I mean, Metro obviously would be at the top of the sure. list. I really like Lincoln Hall. The sound in that room yeah. is just amazing. They did it totally right. Um, yeah, there are a lot of great, great, great places. Yep. Nice. We'll kind of keep that... Uh, that- you mentioned pop punk earlier, power pop, which is like, I love power pop so much. Uh, so here's Girl Soul with the Some Loves, or I'm sorry, the Some Loves with Girl Soul. I had not heard of this band either, Marty. Yeah, no, but I, right away I, I dug this song yeah. quite a bit. This felt like it would have been in a uh, uh, an independent movie in the <laughs> '90s. It's early '90s yeah, feel. It kind of sounds like the Connells. Reminds me of the mm-hmm. band the Connells too. So, what, tell us about this song and this band. <laughs> so, educate us, music insiders. The lead singer and the guitar uh, genius. His name is Dom Mariani, and he is Australian. He's from Perth, and he was a founding member of the Stems, which had a, a, you know, if you go back in some of the the power pop uh, compilations, you'll you'll find a Stems or a DM3 song. That was a, another band he formed later. And the Some Loves is actually a side project. So he had uh, a, a bit of a profile in, in Australia as one of the, the great power pop uh, guys. And um, we've corresponded a bit over the years. Um, so this was just a thing he did. He came to D.C. and recorded it. He was a big Tommy Keen fan, actually, and um, I just, again, I, I really appreciate the pop sensibility. Uh, if, you, if you're able to listen to the whole song, the solo is just perfect. It's, you know, I'm not generally into big guitar solos, but Dom's solo in this song is just gorgeous. Yeah, it was good. It's I, I like the uh, definitely just like a, a catchy song, mm-hmm. like a toe tapper, I would, I would call it. Yeah, nobody's nobody's ever heard of this band. Yeah, I mean that's what's this whole record's great, and it's just something people should hear. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and that's the thing too when you have those kind of songs where you hear it or like you're saying on the on the the one show that plays a lot of new music or whatever. Yeah, but there's some Amazing old radio, stuff yeah. sometimes where it's just like, what right. is this song is so good? How did this right. not become 
you know. Oh, I know the compilation. Uh, I think it's Yellow Pills. Are you, are you familiar with the Yellow no. Pills comp? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I think they discontinued it. Um, but it was like late nineties, and there were like ten or eleven, and Discs. it's just all of these like twenty songs on each CD, and all by bands nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And that's probably where I found DM three and the Stems. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the good news for these bands too, and uh, you know, before I left Law, what what we were doing was there were all these licensing groups that are finding these bands that mm-hmm. didn't get big, and they were signing them up because shows like This Is Us or you know uh, CSI Miami they need music. Oh, it's genius. And, and they're like, well, we want something that sounds like Wilco, but not Wilco with this many beat, beats per minute, and then they'd find. You know these bands that got dropped by their label, mm-hmm. and they wanted, to, especially for shows like uh, "This Is Us," uh, this label that I work with. What they do is they take they need year specific music, so they're like mm-hmm. they need a song from you know 1989, and then they want to have it playing in the background when they're in that year. And so something like Tommy Keens would be yeah. perfect for that because they're yeah. like, well, we need a singer songwriter, but we don't want to pay Bob Dylan you know, this or whoever, and right. then they'll find these other artists. So if you ever if you ever Shazam something from This Is Us or something like that, you'll see that they're these smaller artists that are that nobody has heard of. Have you guys seen Red Oaks? The no. show Red Oaks? No. Put it on your list. It's uh I believe it's Amazon Prime. Paul Reiser is in it. Um and uh Jennifer Gray, they're both amazing. But it's set in the mid '80s. Oh yeah, he works at like a golf, like a country club. Yeah, or something? He, he, yeah. He, he he runs a country club, and it's the story oh. of the college age kid who becomes a tennis pro there. Mm-hmm. And it's a really fun, great show. But the best part of it is they they do exactly that. And there's a lot of stuff in that where you hear a song, and you're like, God, that sounds familiar. And then you shazam it, or you go at the end of the you know the credits, and it's like. I totally missed this song. Yeah. I totally missed this band. Right. And I would that, that was my time. And it's it's uh it's a great thing that these groups are doing and they're paying the artists, which is great and you're getting your publishing on the end. So my band got signed from that and uh or one of my many bands that I was kicked out of. And uh and uh all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, this is cool. Our song is on This Is Us or mm-hmm. whatever." And uh, and we're getting these royalties, which is cool for these artists that need the money and also getting some recognition. Absolutely, so, yeah. and they're getting. Cool. You can see how many times they've been Shazam too. It's like this song's been Shazam, nothing, so you know like, a lot of people are doing that. Nothing Red takes Oak me or, out of a, a movie or a TV show than like public domain music, where you're just like, uh, I've, yeah. you've heard, I've heard this, and I know it's like this is the rock song or this is the, right. the sad song or whatever. And it's yeah. like, spend five more bucks. Get get one of these songs. <laughs> and speaking of Amazon Prime, Marty got me into the show The Boys, and that's frustrating too because some of the songs they use, it's just so much Billy Joel. And you're well, like, yeah, it's for the character. It, yeah, yeah, I know the character loves that show. Do yeah. you ever see that show? That I book? haven't. I've heard of it. I'll yeah. put it on my I, list. I didn't think I was going to like it, and I, and I, yeah. I got sucked in. But uh, it, it, there's things that – and then we were texting, we're like – I hope this doesn't bring Billy Joel back. <laughs> oh, I saw a Bill, uh, that, that Billy Joel documentary. I saw a Billy Joel documentary, and it was or not a Billy was Joel great, documentary. It was about like backup, uh, sure. backup players and bands and stuff. And like Billy Joel, finally, someone just was like, you know, these guys you grew up with, like they're getting a huge cut of your money. Like you could just get rid of them and keep more money. And he's like, all right, let's do that. And it was like <laughs> the guy was like, hey, you mind if I jump on the jet with you guys? And they're like, nah, man, you're riding on the plane tomorrow. Right. And it's like right. oh, the end of it. <laughs> 
All right, let's dip in uh, to another song. And I feel like this is where the, the mix starts to take, like you mentioned, kind of like New Wave or, I don't know, New Romantic or whatever. <laughs> this is like definitely like, ah, uh, so, so up my alley. I love this. I feel it. Avid Dancer. This feels like ten different bands or something where you're like, you know, I, this, you know, who it sounds like, and then you know who it sounds like. But this it's was, timeless because yeah. it, it, it yeah. covers, you know, '80s feel, '90s feel, and current music as well. I feel like I skipped over 20 years there, but wh- wh- who is this band? Uh, you know, I did some research. It's one guy, Jacob Summers, yeah, who's a, become a very good friend of mine, and this this song is 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 very personal to me. Um, this is actually was. Uh, a random song that popped up on my playlist, and I don't even remember how I found it. Um, but I was running, and I heard this song, and I was like, "Who is this? I gotta find. I gotta figure out what band this is." Uh, I found the the record that it was on, and every song was better than the the last oh, one. Oh, that's the best feeling. And then I did some research. Uh, Jacob was a um, a champion military drummer. Like that's that was his musical background. He was like, uh, you know, like the drummers you would see. I didn't in know there was and contests stuff. for that. Well, yeah, I don't. I, well, I don't know, you know, what sort <laughs> of competition he would have been in. But he, he, that was kind of his background. And one day he just said, "I'm going to create this thing, and I'm going to write these songs." And that song inspired me to to basically start uh, Sonic Forty Five. Oh wow! Um, cool. So he definitely was the inspiration to do that. And the other cool thing about my job is that we do a hot stove cool music every year. And right. I think three years ago, three or four years ago, uh, I asked Jacob to, to come to Chicago and to play. At, he was the opening act for uh, the night that we had Eddie Vedder at Metro. And I got to play that song with him. And uh, everybody loved it. We played five songs. Uh, I got a bunch of ace musicians here to be his backing band plus me and uh, he had just started dating a girl named Sharia and they ended up getting married they have a, a baby boy and to this day he tells me that that trip to Chicago changed his life oh, so sure. oh, that's awesome. it's it's, oh, nice. it's a pretty cool story and um uh that find that song and find that record it's 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 one of the best I've heard in a long time yeah, it's always good when you find somebody and you're like, who is this? I got to hear more. Yeah. I always get bummed when it's like a great song and then you click on their list of other songs and you're just like, nothing has the feel of that song. It's not yep. consistent with the other songs, yeah. But when it is good and you but find this... a, a whole bunch of people, that's like an author or anything. It's like you got movies from somebody mm-hmm. or books or whatever sure. or music. Or comedians. No. It's... <laughs> it doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hold the up. other thing about that song versus the first two that, that we played is that there's a simplicity lyrically, but it's... It's the vibe of the song that that means everything. You the know? the melody. He didn't the overthink hook. it. Yeah, he yeah. didn't overthink yeah. it, which I which I keep love. it simple. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's the key to to music. You know, we've talked about it on the show before, where it's like the the songs that spoke to me the most in the '90s and 2000s were simple songs. They weren't overthunk. You had a quick hook, you move on, and that's mm-hmm. it. And yep. sometimes it's awesome. And this in this song again, 
it, it resonates with me because it's this is my favorite song on your mix i thought all it covered so many different genres and it's just such an upbeat cool vibe and i and i also love the concept of it's 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 a guy but he's got a whole kind of backstory like avid dancer like what does that mean like it just there's there's it's there's a mystery there you know and it, it's a little bit of the wilco story um and john steerett's a buddy of mine and he's oh, amazing he's, he's amazing but you know the essence of wilco like if 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 and jeff has done solo uh albums they've been great but if Jeff did a Wilco record and called it Jeff Tweedy and had all these different people, it still would basically be a Wilco mm-hmm. record, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think that branding matters, right? Yeah. And that band is amazing, so it's probably a bad comp. I think if you take you know, a lot of the players out aside from Jeff, but without Jeff, it's not Wilco. Yeah. I right? always think, too, if you're, if you're one guy uh, and you call yourself like something, like, you know, like almost like a band name, but it's just one person, like, I feel like you better be good. Like, you can't do that and suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if you're just like, oh, I'm like, you know, pile of papers. And you're like, all right, dude, you better be good, pile of papers. And it's like, nah, I'm actually pretty I, bad. You know, it's funny. I look at it both ways. Because to me, if you are yourself, that's kind of naked to the world, too. Yeah. And do you think you can get away with more as... as I don't know. As pile of papers? I don't know. <laughs> I mean... Well, Bon Iver is the same way. It's basically yeah. Justin Vernon. But then he... Because I'm like, I guess right away, I'm like, what are you up to? Why aren't you just being yourself? Why, aren't you right. your name? Why are you pile of papers right. and not Joe Schmo? You <laughs> right. know, I don't know. Right. Well, I, I I think the name of a band matters, and I do think it it, sure. it 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 there's a connotation of like it leads you down a certain path um, just by hearing the name. To me, and like Sunvolt and Wilco and Avid Dancer and hopefully Sonic Forty Five. Like when you hear it, you go, "Oh, okay." There's an expectation of something, yeah. as opposed to Tommy Keene could mean a million things. Sure. Really, Bruce Springsteen could mean a million things if you had never heard right. the name before. There's a consistency of that too, but um, yeah, Avid Dancer that it does fit here better than Jacob Summers. I could see that, but I, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Wilco stuff too because that's that's a great example of a guy who it is basically him. But if you go through the different lineups of that band. It's it's pulled in different directions, and now for the last 100%. few al- albums, it's and 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 John's been there from the beginning, so it's kind of yeah. Cool I think John is an integral base. integral part of it, absolutely. But again, you know, when push comes to shove, right? If you take Jeff out of Wilco, yeah. is it Wilco? My, you know, my, right? Did you see the documentary uh, Quiet Riot? No. So so this this is this is a really fascinating subject. Um, it, it, it's the history of the band. And the um, band Quiet Riot, Quiet Riot, okay. And they got the name, I think somebody in Slade that was said quite right, but it was kind of the quite right, mm-hmm. like the you know, kind of the English version of quite, quite right. Sounds like Quiet Riot, so that's how they came up with the name uh, of the band. But is it Kevin Dubrow? I believe was the uh, was the lead singer. I really like this band, and for about 11 months. In like 1982, they yeah. were the biggest band they were. in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, bang your head, the whole deal. The hockey, the hockey, the picture with the hockey mask or yep, whatever. Yep, yeah. yep. So over the course of the decades, um, as band members filtered in and out, uh, essentially it became the lead singer and the drummer. Mm-hmm. The drummer was not an original member. When Kevin Dubrow died, uh, the drummer asked Kevin's mom, can I keep the name alive and keep going. And she said, yes. And so it's this interesting question 
There is not one original member of the band, so is it really Quiet Riot? Yeah, that's like in a Mighty Wind how they have are the original like Main Street players <laughs> right, like these. Right. But it's like, why well, was in it? Bat, you know. Right. It's like, yeah, but you weren't an original member or whatever. Yeah. Is it? And you know, the the former guitar player was in the documentary saying it's a cover band. Yeah, at this mm-hmm. point, which to me is like about the biggest shot you can take, right? <laughs> of a band. Yeah, you call sure. yourself Quiet Riot, but yeah, not like only is the lead like singer not in or it or. Not one original member. Yeah, right? yeah. That's when it's just like a franchise. You're just like, well, you're not right. at the original Portillos, but you're at a Portillos. On the other, <laughs> on the third hand or fourth hand, the drummer is a very sweet guy, and this is his life. Yeah. And when the lead singer dies, he's like, "What am I supposed to do? I want to keep going." So I, I, I also appreciate that he, you know, wants to keep it alive, and he's been in the band now for forty years, and he, it's kind of like Ronnie Wood, right? Yeah. You know, like the Stones without Ronnie Wood now, like. Yeah, kind of, I guess, but like he was—he was the fourth guitar player, right. or whatever. Yeah, but but you think of him as kind of an important part of that band now. Sure, but I, I think for that drummer in Quiet Riot, it's also hard to pick up a new band at however age he is and be like, "Hey, just so you guys know," like he he finds a, a young heavy metal band and be like. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be way back here with you, twenty year olds. I just like though. I like when there are the when they do have to replace somebody. It's like when you find out like the person is like a gigantic fan of the band, not like just Mark like Wahlberg. hired gun or whatever. <laughs> oh god, that fucking movie. But like, it's not just like a hired gun. It's like this, you know, like yeah, you know, this right. person is obsessed with this band. They've always loved this band or whatever. Now, where are you guys on Van Halen with Sammy? Uh, Paul loves them. I I was a huge Van Halen fan. I got arrested at the Sammy I saw Sammy Hagar version of the band. Uh, I arrested and, and or detained and released for urinating outside of a highway for being drunk. But I I, I, I was a fan of theirs. I uh, I like the Sammy Hagar years too. Yeah, I know that's, I, I know that's uh, controversial. No, I did. I did. They had some good songs. It. it it was the vibe was so different though. They were two different. The vibe bands. was. I think that's a great they, way of putting they were it. Because I I feel like the way too that like. The members of Van Halen, you know, aged and they looked a little older with Sammy and he looked older, too. So it was like you watch like Jump and they're just so young. And then you watch, you know, the right point. now or it's whatever. It's like the adult version of Van Halen. It really is. Yeah. Sammy. Yeah. It feels yeah. kind of like they had more cleaned hits with up. Sammy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. They did. I mean, here, sure. I, I love I love the I I got into Van Halen on OU812 and then I went back and discovered 1984 because I got into him later in life. But. I uh, you know I was a big fan and uh, I, I mean I don't I didn't listen to them again recently until he passed away but it's still part of it's that era of my life from you know 1991 to 93. So. Yeah, it makes the U2 story even more impressive when you think about the fact that it's been four guys and they've been together yeah. Since, yeah. since day one. And that's just you know? kind of like it's so rare for everybody to be on the same page. Do mm-hmm. Does everybody in YouTube get songwriting credit? I don't know the answer to that. Okay. It's a, a good question. I think they have a system worked out. I know for Wilco, he takes he takes care of them. He does pay mm-hmm. them more than yeah. their That seems share. to be the way to like keep everybody the way to last happy. Is, yep. It's just like, yep. I mean, because then you get to that point where imagine if you two, like how much money they have right now and had they gotten into some squabble or whatever, because certain bands you never know, like you said, like there could, you know, the, although like on the outside, it's like, oh, the lead singer or like the lead singer and the guitarist or like, that's the clue of the backbone of the band. But there are some bands where it's like, no, no, no. Like the descendants, one of my favorite bands, it's like the drummer runs the show in that band. Right. And it's like, you wouldn't know from, from the outside. Well, it's, 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 it's a legal argument too. Cause song arrangement doesn't count as a writing credit. Correct. So technically you can, 
if Jeff Tweedy wanted to be an asshole, he can be like, well, I wrote these songs. You guys wrote all the arrangements, but he didn't. And that's probably mm-hmm. why he's yeah. surviving. But are there this line? And there's been surviving. 8,000 members of the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay, moving <laughs> on. Next song. Uh, Len, you're going to help me with the, uh, the last name pronunciation here. Ray Pila. Ray Pila. All right, and here's Alexander. When I was listening to this song, I thought, what a bummer that, like, there's no Q- Q101 type station, like, <laughs> that could play this, yeah. and, and everybody yeah. can hear it. There's certain yeah. songs where it's just like, it how can, like, no, you know what I mean? It's like, everybody should hear the song. Like, whenever I see a big actor hosting, like, Saturday Night Live or whatever, like, they'll grab, like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Then they'll have, like, a huge band. But I, I think, like, if Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio wanted to be a cool dude, he could be like, oh, no, 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 I'm going to have this band that I really like play. Otherwise, I'm not going to do your show. Right. Well, that's why uh, I think, um, you know, Conan's show was great because mm-hmm. he would he would put um, bands. Uh, Tommy Keen was on yeah. Conan O'Brien, actually, in 94. That's oh, wow. like, yeah, you watch those old Conans yeah. and they'll have like the strange, because there's Letterman, certain songs. Letterman 2 was pretty good. Letterman 2. I always love how he'd get like a kick out of the band oh. name or something and he'd have like the you album and the CD yeah. and he'd be like flipping the CD around and he'd be like, you know, I think he had like the ass ponies or something, and he's like, they're, the, they're called the ass ponies. <laughs> right, it's yeah, wild, right. but they're great, and it's like, what a treat that people got to see that. So Ray Pilo started as a solo project. Diego Solorzano, uh, they're from Mexico City. Yeah, and uh, the the thing I love that there's an immediacy in that that intro. It's a song you can't help but dance to. So cool, and that is instructive for. Sonic 45, the band I've started, is that, um, you know, they're, the, the one thing is I, I really am into beats. And it's funny, I, as I approach 50, I, I should be like way more into Dylan's, you know, like it's all about the lyrics and, you know, it's too loud. And it's, it's like stuff that makes me want to dance and, and really cool, groovy beats is is yeah. I'm so into that right yeah, now. You hear like like oh if Cobain wouldn't have killed himself he would have been like a singer songwriter and all this. It's like I don't know what if he would have been like that and been like well, I kind of like having like a synth in the background sure. and all sorts of stuff. Like, sure, there's something how, really cool. Yeah, about how that. you like age or whatever with with time and and how your music is supposed to sort of mirror that or whatever. But yeah, this is just like such such fun the, stuff. The other thing is that song's called Alexander and it was a very specifically written song in the kraut rock genre and you know when you hear the term kraut rock you probably think of you know sprockets right from saturday night live and like the the german east europe you know your eastern european but um uh, the band noi are you familiar with them neu they're kind of the the great kraut rock band but a lot of it's instrumental um and this song is kind of in that vein and it's all about beats and it's about musical vibe and i'm 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 really into that so you know if you if you're on Apple Music or Spotify, and maybe just search Krautrock, and there there'll be some playlists, and I think you'll you'll dig some of it. Yeah. Do you have to have the umlaut over the eye? <laughs> I feel like Krautrock is like 
like when you're reading a music book, that's like one of those references. If you get, it's like you get extra points. I, well, I, 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 I feel like it's a genre that people have heard of, but don't yeah. really know what it is. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, I feel I, like yeah. it's like a reference. People are like, oh, I'm into this. I'm at Kraut Rock, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, let Does me, scorpions uh, count in that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. so. Let me just look at Kraut Rock real quick on. Uh, on spot or on a Google and yeah, and go, see, going see what, back what to it, uh, I was remembering, and I don't know if you remember this or they covered it in the documentary, but uh, Quiet Riot when they debuted that Feel the Noise, it was like at a giant festival like stadium, yeah, and they oh, were, yeah. and everyone was kind of like fuck these guys, and they played that, and everyone's like whoa, because well, I saw a sh- I saw a short like YouTube documentary on them. They had three hits, and their two of the three biggest hits were Slade songs. Yeah, they oh, were wow. they were covers. Crazy. Kraut rock is a broad jo- genre of experimental rock that developed in West Germany in the late '60s and early '70s, blending psychedelic rock, electronic music, and various avant-garde influences. So, like Tangerine Dream. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly right. Kraftwerk. A Kraftwerk. Right. Kraftwerk. Yeah. Noi. Can. Tangerine Dream would be. See, like for list. me. My brother uh, got into that stuff, and I just I always needed lyrics as a kid, and to this day too. I do like the beats, obviously, and I like to have like a a, a vibe of upbeat stuff sometimes. But for me, without lyrics, I'm still like I'm always I've always been like a lyrics guy, or just words in the song. I'm, I'm not really into instrumental songs. Yeah. I don't think we've covered. We should have an instrumental episode. Absolutely, <laughs> we haven't done that yet. That you, well, all the intros I've given you are like 35 seconds. Yeah, yeah, so the, and that's the thing too with like new yeah. songs versus old songs. If we have someone on and all their songs are like you know. Oh, I heard this on TikTok. I love it. They're just like instantly into the hook or whatever. <laughs> Two and seconds these, in. Some yeah. of these older songs we'll play you and I'll, we'll, time. we'll just be like one minute in, no lyrics, two minutes, <laughs> yep. not even a peep of a yep. lyric. And it's like, yep. you know, if you had the, the, the time to do it back then, go for it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well. And we're nearing our final song here, uh, The Church with Destination. This is going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like... Uh, there's an LCD sound system song that I'm like, when I heard the beginning of this, I felt very much like uh, they must have listened to this song. Well, the, the lyrics don't start for a while here, but yeah. we can talk over it a little bit. Um, the Just church sure was... hit the post. <laughs> Howard Stern hit the post. Yeah. yeah. The uh, This is a band that um, were so big on 120 minutes for, for a brief second. Yep. And I just never could get into them. All right, here it comes. Yeah, this to me is like when I first started watching 120 Minutes yeah. and like bands like this. It's just like, I don't know why. It's like this kind of like a little haunting or whatever, but I was just yes. like such a sucker for all these bands. I Haunting is a perfect word for it, Marty. Yeah. I, yeah. I never yeah. could get into the church. And I know a lot of my friends really got into them and, it was like uh, big in the pro- we call it progressive rock. Yep. I think. Yep. And uh, for some reason, like I would, dr- they were just so dr- drony and 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 sad. Really. Very sad. And I just couldn't. A lot get into of melancholy. It. That's the first song, "Destination" off Starfish, which is kind of widely considered to be their their best record. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Wadi Wachtel produced it. They came to L.A. to record it. They're an Australian band uh, as well. And my favorite. Church record is the Blurred Crusade, uh, which was their second record in '82. Starfish was '88, um, but what they do now is they still tour, and they will pick a record 
and they will do the whole record front to back, and then they'll play some greatest hits. Uh, I saw them at Space in Evanston do the Blurred Crusade, which was amazing, and then I saw them at Lincoln Hall maybe a year and a half ago, and they did Starfish. Uh, so that was pretty fun. Um, but I just love the guitar work, Marty Wilson-Piper um, and uh, Peter Coppice. Uh, I just, the, the guitar kind of centric uh, post-punk new wave thing really, really grabs me. Yeah, they were they sad were, as hell. They were, it it's was really sad. And you stuff. know what the thing is, is at, at that age, you know, when I was a kid, I did like sad music too. But for some reason, this was so droney for me that I could never get into it. Sure. And uh, I remember... I had a, I had the 120 minutes uh, CD and it was I think they had Under the Milky Way. Yeah, that was a, that, that was, was their, their one hit. hit. Yeah, but um, yeah. I just could never get into them. And it's funny because they are kind of like a, a sadder version of the psychedelic furs. Yep. And I was a huge psychedelic furs because yep. my brother was a that was one of his favorite bands and and I liked Richard Butler's post the mm-hmm. what's his band Love Love Spit one. Love Love Spit Love. Yep. I loved that. I was a DJ at at our my high school radio station. I used to play that every time. I was the only one that pl- loved that song. He had a hit with that band, but but the church didn't get any love on on the my rock hour on WHSD. Shout out to WHSD. Do you work out to this? This sounds like a good workout song for you. <laughs> Paul listens to it the would, old yeah. weird, you know. Yeah. I listen to sad music when I work out, but yeah. too, this is too droney for me. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, this is just like driving around smoking weed kind of music. <laughs> it I definitely puts it. you immediately in a mood. Yeah. yeah. And, and Or like a breakup. Some girl just broke your heart in high well, school and you just pop this on. There's an in, I don't know. There's a weird inspiration in, in sad stuff that... that who you is know. who's your top of like this sort of genre? Kind of uh, like you know when you hear it, they're all kind of lumped together. Yeah, I mean, to me, the church. It's that's why I picked that song. Yeah, that, that's the band I I kind of hold in the highest regard. Like if you did a, they're a little bit they're they're a little bit like GBV or, or Bob Pollard in that um, the voluminous nature of their catalog is overwhelming. Uh, they probably have 25, 26 records that they wow. put out. Uh, so you've got to wade through a lot of it. But if I picked like the twentieth, the twenty greatest church songs, you would just be like, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" Yeah. So you've got to wade through a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't grab you. Um, and there's a lot of their stuff that doesn't. But the You're stuff like maybe that does, twenty-two albums, guys. The, st- the stuff <laughs> that it. does is is to me. Awesome. Well, they have a fan base. I'm surprised they're playing space because I know, like Guided by Voices, uh, they they have their their loyal fan base, and they would sell out bigger bigger rooms. Problem is, they're not from here. I, I think oh. I think in Australia they play the bigger places, but when they come here, got it. You know, they 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 Second generally tier play market. the. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Hmm. Interesting. Is that, and would you say that that's um, what that style of music is your favorite of all uh, you know if if you did if people were looking at your top 5 bands obviously the church would be in there and your yes. and your mount rushmore yeah. bands yeah okay. they would is yeah. there five yeah there's four presidents on mount rushmore yeah. I don't know. well there, there will yeah. be five you know <laughs> soon. Soon, <laughs> soon enough the who would be number 1 and, oh, wow. okay. and um tommy keen he you know pete townsend was his god actually springsteen was a big influence on tommy but um you know, yeah, I know every Beatles song front to back. Big Stones guy, love the Kinks, but there's something about the Who that just kind of the ethos of that band really, really grabbed me. And I think the main reason is that Pete wrote almost everything, and 
he kind of sat in the background and let all the other three be the stars in a weird way. He had his moments, you mm-hmm. know, with the windmill and all that stuff, but for the most part, Roger did the singing. Yeah. You know, John and Keith were going absolutely insane on the rhythm section, and, and Pete was kind of the rhythm section as the guitar player. Yeah, it was kind of, he, was a, he was like one of the most underrated guitarists. But he too. never, to me, ever showed off. Yeah. And there was a lot of restraint, as bombastic as that band was, uh, I think that the, the the guy who was kind of uh, in the guts of the band, right in the middle, he pulled back to let everybody else shine. And, and yeah, if you watch like where amazing. where the the clip of Keith Moon blowing up his drum set, he's just kind of like, what is that? What is he doing? Right. Like he just has this look of like, it's right. not quite annoyed, but it's also kind of like, what is he doing? Right. You know. And then he's like, whatever. Right. I'll just smash my guitar right. too, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, are you a Keith or a Mick guy? How would you guys? Oh man. Uh, like who's more? I guess who's more important to the Stones' sound I, or the Stones' thing? I I'm a I like I don't know if I can pick one or the other, but I love Keith Richards' book, uh, and I yeah, love, great. I think he's like a an icon in and of himself. But I do I think I mean people talk about Mick Jagger all the time. Where he's 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 an icon as I mean, how yeah. can you not? Like I mean, him? I think when you say that, it goes to like the live experience mm-hmm. and it's like, are you going to see, would you rather see the stones with like, Oh, they hired, you know, their own like Gary Sharon right. or whatever, or it's right. like, you know, but, or it's like, or, you know, Keith, unfortunately you can't tour. We got to have somebody else take his place. Uh, to I me, I, it, 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 yeah, the, the answer true. is neither. I, I, I think they're tied at the hip and, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. I will say, I think Keith was more integral to the, 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 the sound of the band because his, um, uh, the the two or three solo records he did sound more like the Stones than oh Mick. yeah his yeah. his solo albums he, were the great. expensive winos yeah 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 and uh, I, and I mid, do yeah Mick's solo stuff was very poppy but and very then again David like, Lee Roth did the same thing he's like I'm sure. not going to do Van Halen I'm going to do show tunes so like, yeah. I get it I get it <laughs> and 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 I won't uh, I think it needs to be said that Charlie Watts is a huge huge part yep. of that band too yep. no without question. charlie watts you listen to some of those songs like tumbling dice we had that on someone had that on their uh, yeah. list maggie DePaulo had her and without charlie playing those that those beats and, and their rhythm section is it is like, it is undeniable. wild that you brought up david lee roth like we don't have enough lead singers leaving bands and then drastically changing their styles anymore i feel like you know like the guy from maroon five doesn't like leave and then he's like i'm in a ska band now all of a sudden or something <laughs> right. like different the david lee roth doing you know like show tune covers was such a odd like huh or like uh california uh, girls he what's his name who left the new york dolls and then became buster poindexter that was like oh, a yeah. weird uh, weird Joe weird Hansen. one yeah yeah yep yep interesting yeah well, Len, thank you so much. Um, if anything, we've learned about Krautrock today. Yes. You know, it's it's part of the uh, the Make Us a Mixtape lexicon now. Krautrock lives uh, <laughs> oh, in infamy. Um, Amazing tell people radio. how they can hear more from you and Sonic45. Uh, Sonic45.com would be, uh, we'll send you right to our Bandcamp page. We've got two singles that are out, and the full-length record should be hopefully out by the end of the year. We will have vinyl. Nice. When's the last time you guys performed pretty live? Pretty cool. Uh, February. Oh man, are you itching to perform? Yeah, live? yeah, it's hard. It's it's. Uh, I I worry a lot of, about live music and comedy yeah. and all the all yeah. the stuff you guys love and do. <laughs> He'll be back. Uh, I hope it comes yeah. back and and is is back to normal as as soon as possible. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Len. I really appreciate it. You've educated us music insiders. We're gonna so, actually go out to some crowd rock here. Yeah. Uh, please check us nail. out. Message us. 
Subscribe, paulmartymix at gmail.com if you have questions, concerns. Most just questions. Save the concerns. It's nothing to be worried about. If, if Marty offended you, he went a full episode without making a wrestling No, reference. we did. I did a re- oh, walk-up music. Come, Come on, bad. man. Come on, get out of here. <laughs> if anything, I'm consistent. We're nothing.